Well, life of this is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Yuri Bialik. Yuri, are you ready to do this? I am ready. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. Let's go. Yuri is the head of strategy and acquisitions with Onfolio Holdings. They're an organization in acquiring and managing a diversified portfolio of online businesses across a broad range of verticals. Yuri, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Um, sure. So just a quick background about me. Um, I grew up in uh, New York and New Jersey in the States. Uh, although for the past five years, I've been uh, living that digital nomad lifestyle. So um, traveling probably to, I don't know, 20 or 30 countries in that time. Um, my background is by education. Uh, I'm a, an attorney. I have like a funny story when uh, I was sued uh, kind of when I was in law school. And I'm like, well, you know, uh, actually, I was sued before law school. I'm like, I, I should learn how to defend myself. Uh, so, uh, decided to do that, but then kind of shortly after graduating, I realized it wasn't for me and decided to go the digital marketing route. And, uh, so my background and experience has been in the digital marketing world, um, doing SEO for, uh, e-commerce companies, consulting companies, agencies. Um, and then over the last couple of years, I've transitioned a bit more into doing more holistic digital marketing, as well as, uh, mergers and acquisitions for Unfolio. Um, and just a bit about Unfolio. So we're a publicly traded company as of about two months ago. And uh, yeah, we just buy and run uh, online businesses. We recently closed on three acquisitions and hope, hoping to do more in the future. Nice. So you got sued and that 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 motivated you, scared you, prompted you to to go and actually go to law school. That sounds like something that that I really almost did right there without without the getting sued thing. So has it served you having the having the law degree? Um, I think it's opened up certain doors. Um, I'd say from a financial standpoint, it's probably one of the more expensive and worst mistakes of my life. Um, but it has definitely opened up um, certain doors. And actually, while I was in law school, I had built uh, a couple websites, which I ended up selling to a legal marketing company and then worked for them after law school instead of pursuing law. So, you know, everything in life has kind of a way of uh, working out. It's hard to know whether something makes sense at the time, but eventually it all uh, plays out. It is hard to know if something makes sense at the time. You know, you have a framework for trying to look at a scenario and make decisions as to whether or not this is something you want to move forward with or not. You made the decision to become a digital nomad. I think a lot of people who are listening are like, wow, that's really cool. And you're in Vietnam. I'm in Arizona in the United States. So that's 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 pretty neat. Um, the framework, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about how you evaluate your your potential acquisitions for Onfolio. How, how, how do you think about and make decisions on which companies are going to be right for you? Mm -hmm. um, I think that it changes and evolves over time, but you know, there's certain metrics we look at. So we look at, for example, EBITDA and like one of the, and that goes up as we make larger acquisitions, we try to make larger and larger acquisitions. So right now our minimum is about 500,000. Um, I've, I've kind of spent most of my life online. So I've had a lot of like experience diving in uh, into different businesses and seeing how they work and um so a lot of that is just um, based on doing due diligence. So, you know, we look at the team, um, whether the team comes with the business, whether they have a, a solid team, we look at the marketing funnel, the sales funnel, uh, where are they getting leads? 
Um, so we get really granular. You know, we look at the customer acquisition cost, the lifetime customer value, and we just we just evaluate all those things. Um, but for example, now you know, I think that we're about to enter a recession. We don't know how long it's going to last or how how big it'll be. Um, or how bad it'll be. And so one thing we're looking at is now is how would a business like this do in a recession? And so that's definitely like top of mind now as we look at different businesses. Yeah. And do you have thoughts on and on on certain industries that maybe you're going to focus on and not focus on because of the recession? Um, I don't know what we'll focus on. I know there's some industries that tend to do better during recessions. For example, pets usually are recession-proof, no matter what people spend money on their dogs, and probably even more so as a recession comes because they're saving money from going out to restaurants and other things like that. Um, I recently found out that like skincare and beauty is pretty recession proof as well and people like the, the self-care industry um, people like to pamper themselves even in a recession which is something i wouldn't have imagined um but you know we, we look at we look at a lot of different businesses that come from different directions from incoming deal flow brokers marketplaces um so even if we look at a business that's not directly tied to a recession for example if we look at purchasing an agency right we want to know what kind of clients the agency has because if the clients are in a recession proof agency that means that agency will continue to do well during the recession yeah that makes sense so for your deal flow potential acquisition targets come across your desk how do you think about a company that's actively trying to sell itself versus a company that's not? Does that play in? Yeah. Um, I mean, if we're getting the deal flow, um, usually it means it's coming from like a, a broker, a marketplace, or somebody selling it. So that means it's already somebody who is trying to sell it. But if you try to reach out, um, like doing cold outreach to see if somebody wants to sell their business, it's kind of a hit or miss. A lot of people have unrealistic expectations as to what their business is worth, just because they put so much, you know, of their like life into it, and they want to get it back, even though. From a financial standpoint, it doesn't necessarily make sense. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of the the tricky part. Um, but it's always better to get um, something that's not listed on the market because there's less competition available, which means you might get a better deal. Um, and you just, I think, you have an advantage there when you can get something uh, privately. And so when you're looking at this opportunity, it's it's um, let's just make up a fictitious company that is in the self-care industry and they have EBITDA of a million dollars a year. They've got the marketing funnel that's solid, a sales funnel. When you take it over and you guys, y'all shake hands, you buy it, it's now yours. Your thought process is, is that we can make this more efficient or how, why it, why is it, or how is it you think that you can drive that EBITDA number higher? So actually, with the position that we're in, we don't necessarily have to grow the company um, because if you think of like, you know, if you think of it as real estate, you know, you buy you buy a building and it's making you two thousand dollars a month in rent. Right. You're not thinking about how are you going to get that two thousand number to eight thousand because it's kind of 
you know, there's only so many units you can do. Obviously, our goal would be to grow it as much as we can, but that's not necessarily our number one priority. Our priority is making sure that the revenue stays where it is and doesn't decline. Um, but of course, yeah, we would love to grow it. Um, usually when we acquire, like when we acquire businesses, we try to keep the entire team in place. We're not, we're not like a venture capital fund or private equity where we're going to come in and try to cut expenses and fire people. Um, you know, we ideally keep the entire management team in place. Um, we put in an operator, um, it might be somebody promoted internally who's already there or we'll bring somebody new. Um, and then it's, yeah, it's their job to run and ideally grow the business. So the idea is, is that you have an owner that is wanting an exit? Uh, correct. Usually that's the case. Got it. Okay. And is there an end or a limit to how many organizations that Onfolio is looking to acquire? Uh, I, I hope not. Um, <laughs> as as we grow, we're gonna. You know, the goal is to continue uh, to continue buying businesses. Um, yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, players in the space now and, you know, they start with one or two now they have like 40, 50 and they continue to grow it. Um, so yeah, there's definitely no, no ceiling here. That's interesting. This is, is, is this a new industry is, is what you're doing? How, how long has it been around? How long has it been a business model? I wouldn't say it's a new one, but I'd say it's something that's recently been booming. Um, because, um, these like real estate investors and family investors, they've they've sort of looked at the um, at the profits and the kind of the multiples and the uh, ROI that they get from their real estate deals, and you know it might be like seven percent, eight percent, where they look at online businesses. And it can be 20, 30, 40%, depending on the business, which is very attractive to them. So this entire industry has been growing very quickly and been getting a huge influx of money. Um, I mean, if you look at kind of, I would say maybe the pre pre predecessor of online businesses would be domain names. It's been a big industry now for, I don't know, 10, 20 years where people are buying domain names as digital assets like real estate and sitting on it or maybe turning it into other assets, selling it, renting it out. Um, so that was like the predecessor. And now people are doing the same thing with online businesses. It's just the last couple of years, it's really taken off. So you are, y'all are, that's fascinating. I, I don't know why I didn't think about it like that. Um, perhaps it's because I'm, I'm not fully prepared for our conversation today, Yuri, or maybe I just, who, who, who knows? So you are constantly raising um, investment capital as well. So we raised some capital uh, in preparation for the IPO, and then we uh, we IPO'd and uh, using those proceeds for the acquisitions. Got it. And so you are not looking for additional funds, or you are? Um, I, I think our CEO is looking at other um, sources of capital, like debt financing, things like that. Um, I, I don't really work on the finance side. I'm more of on, on the marketing and acquisition side. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're listed on NASDAQ, right? So if anybody just wanted to buy shares, um, our, you know, our ticker symbol is ONFO. So that's kind of one way to, if somebody wanted to get involved. Got it. Nice. All right. So walk us through what, what your marketing process is. Um, so, I mean, we have, you know, a lot of different assets and each asset has a different 
uh, operator CEO. So th- the marketing is going to differ. For example, um, I'm also the CEO of um, two SEO agencies um, that I've recently taken over, and one of them was the acquisitions that we uh, one of the acquisitions that we made. Um, so basically, took over all the operations. Um, it's something that hasn't had a lot of marketing in the past. It's been sort of relying on uh, word of mouth and past clients. Um, but now I'm coming in and starting the different marketing campaigns. We have a Black Friday special running now. We'll be starting Facebook and Google ads shortly, um, adding new services, um, working on email marketing, um, different funnels, lead, lead magnets. So kind of everything from A to Z. Do you have a, a favorite lead magnet strategy that, 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 that you've commonly used? Um, I wouldn't say a favorite one. Um, you know, I like different uh, tools and templates. I think the best one is actually um, a lot of companies do. They um, they create like a side project and they have it coded and they use that as a as a way. Um, I know one company did it. They created like a free stock photo site and that was like their lead magnet. If you think about it, like, for example, Credit Karma. Are you familiar with Credit Karma? I am. So. They're basically like the largest affiliate site in the world. And what do they do is they took something that was paid, which was credit reports, and they they made it free. And now, you know, they released something that was free. They were like the first, probably the first ones to do it, provides a lot of value for consumers. And now every single consumer is a lead for them and they should give them credit card offers, home loans, all these offers that pay, you know, a crazy like amount of money and affiliate commissions. Um, so I think like creating tools is probably one of my favorite ways as far as lead magnet goes. That's interesting. Fascinating. I hadn't, I, I'm aware of credit karma, but I didn't think about them as, as this large affiliate site, but what you just laid out makes all the sense in the world. So is the email list, is that still really at the top? Is that one of the most powerful ways to, to sell your service product? Yeah, I, I still think email is like one of the top assets. If you look at like conversion rate, right? Email is always going to have the largest conversion rate of any traffic channel. It's the only audience that you truly own, aside maybe from some people are doing some uh, SMS and things like that. But, you know, when you're dependent on a platform and they make changes like Apple did with iOS, which effect, affected Facebook ads, um, you know, a lot of e-commerce companies and anybody relying strictly on Facebook, um, they suffered. A lot of them weren't able to recover. Um, similar things with AdWords. Um, if you're selling on Amazon with like an FBA business, you you know, your business can be gone in a day if somebody reports you and Amazon suspends your account. So having an email list is still like the number one way where you can truly own your, your own audience. Yeah. In terms of you, you mentioned the SMS. So, so text messaging, how has that grown, evolved? Is it been surprising? Has it been less than less, less exciting than, than people expected? Um, I don't, I don't see very often. Um, I have read case studies where it has worked for some companies. Um, I just think there's so many companies that they have so many other things to work on that SMS is not really top of mind. Um, I personally don't like getting advertisements on SMS. I'm not sure how other people are. Um, I, I, I prefer emails. Um, it's not something we focus on right now. It might be in the future. Um, and I, I think some of it is actually how how people interact with like SMS in other countries. For example, there's like WhatsApp, which uh, they might use for communicating with customers. But WhatsApp is not really a popular app in the U.S. because we have SMS. 
Um, Telegram, I see a lot of things happening on Telegram as well. But again, I think it might be more international rather than for U.S. companies. Yeah, that's interesting. And you're right. I personally don't enjoy receiving advertisements on text either. I don't mind in, in, in my email. So fascinating. Here in the United States, going through the election season, uh, I think that everybody, every, every political campaign seemed to get my phone number and uh, texted me relentlessly. So, <laughs> oh, I, I love when they do that because no matter what, I just respond, I'm voting for Trump just to piss them off. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good idea. Yeah. I, 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 I should adopt that for sure. I like it. They will, they will instantly remove you from That's their it. list when you say that. <laughs> Has there ever been a more more triggering word in in in, in language than Trump? I don't, I don't know. Everybody's got an opinion uh, about it, it for sure. Elon Musk is uh, is going up there right now, so no doubt. Yeah, hmm. interesting. That'd be uh that'd be interesting to to look at. Uh, how would how would I know that Erie? Uh, what like Donald Trump versus Elon Musk? How how often that's searched or or put into the internet? Actually, a good, you could do a comparison with Google Trends. You can put both of them and see the trend line of either of them. Um, you can also use like a keyword research tool to look at the volume. But for that, I would just use Google Trends. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Well, Yuri, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you and how can they engage with you and on Folio? Yeah, so they can visit our website, uh, unfolio.com. Uh, email me personally, uh, Yuri, that's Y-U-R-Y at unfolio.com. Um, they can look me up on LinkedIn, our company. Um, I try to do a lot of these podcasts, so if they want to learn more, they can uh, Google my name. And yeah, I'm always uh, interested in helping other people, so they can just reach out. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show your, your, your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to onfolio.com. Shoot Yuri an email, yuri at onfolio.com. Find him on LinkedIn. I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Yuri. Thank you. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.